Turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 4 this morning. Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, we see a continuation of uh, an effect of God working in a way of going back to Acts chapter 2 and even previously before that. But uh, I really didn't know, it's not real easy, it's easier to come into a church and it'd be your church and you're the shepherd, you know where your church is at. So I'm completely dependent on the Spirit of God this morning to lead us where I believe He has us today. And today I, I want to share a little bit of my heart as I open this message and I want to be very transparent with you um, in my life and my journey. I've been in full-time ministry for 20 plus years, one, uh, five years as an assistant pastor and then, and then we're getting ready to enter our 17th year as senior pastor uh, at, at, at Calvary. But um, as I share that with you this morning, the transparent thing I want you to know today is I would be lying if I stood before you and, and felt like, and shared with you that I've never felt like quitting, okay? In fact, I've been asked that. You ever feel like quitting? I'm like, every Monday, you know, <laughs> uh, every Monday. Uh, and, uh, uh, but there's two words, four words, really, that, that, that really describe where I've been in those years of ministry. In the first five years of ministry, I had moments that I felt like running away, running away. I mean, I had an opportunity, I was with a, a pastor and another pastor, and one of the pastors was getting ready to bring on an assistant pastor, and I had promised my pastor I'd give him five years, and, and they were talking about this opportunity this pastor had, and they had literally planned my life. I was going to go back, offer my resignation, and, and that was going to be it, and I was going to go join that ministry team and eventually become the pastor of that church, potentially, um, but uh, I honored my commitment. I felt like running away. I mean, I felt like I was ready. Okay, how many of you know just because we feel like we're ready doesn't mean we're ready? And I wasn't ready, okay? I was, and even when I got to Connersville, I was long and far from being ready. I had a fellow come to my office a few weeks into my ministry and asked me if I knew what I was doing. I said, I, I have no idea. Uh, but, and uh, I guess it showed, uh, but... Um, and probably I shouldn't have been so transparent with him. Uh, uh, how many, you know, when we went to Connorsville, um, we received a 95% vote to become pastor of the church. And uh, I was kind of disappointed it wasn't 100. And I, I did the math and I figured out there's 12 people that did not vote for me. And I quickly found out who those 12 people were once I became pastor. But then some of them, but we loved them all and we encouraged them all. And some ended up saying some uh, went uh, elsewhere. But the second phrase that really in, in my time at Calvary was the words walk away. And, and I, I go back and I, I had moments in, in my ministry that I literally have felt like walking away. And I remember the first five years in, I uh, hit my um, uh, first catastrophe in our church. Uh, you know, my brother, who was a pastor, described it as a gold mine. He's like, you've hit a gold mine. And, uh, and then five years hit, and it wasn't a gold mine anymore. It's more like a coal mine, okay? Uh, and, um, and I called the, the founding pastor that recommended me. And I'm like, look, this is what's happening. He says, John, it's been five years. It's about time you start having some problems. And, um, and so we worked through those, but I can't tell you that it didn't feel like walking away. And, and we've made some leadership changes and uh, there were moments in that time I felt like walking away. And then the pandemic hit, okay? And how many of you know that was a hard time for pastors, okay? It really was. It was a hard time for their families. It was a hard time for everyone. It was a hard time for the people, 
Okay, I know a lot of pastors, we like to, uh, we talk about all the problems we have, but it was a hard time. And this church, what a special church. You stayed faithful in the midst of it. You stayed steadfast in the midst of it. And, but it was difficult. I got to tell you, it was difficult. I, I, I thought, boy, could I go work at Home Depot? I don't even like Home Depot, but uh, I don't like to go in there. I don't like to buy anything there. But I thought, this is pretty cool. I go in, because that was the only thing open, right? Uh, uh, and they were having, tra- anyway, uh, another day, another story. But the psalmist describes it like this. He said this, oh, that I would ha- had wings that I could fly away. You remember the old commercial, um, uh, you ever want to get away? You ever felt like that? And in ministry and in mission, uh, you know, uh, God, God is calling us to stay steadfast, uh, to be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So as I look at Acts chapter 4, and we navigate through several verses here today, I want you to understand That God has given his people a call to continue. We went through that time of the pandemic, and I know I wasn't alone because I talked to a lot of people during that time, is, is, uh, man, this is so hard, this is so difficult. And and then I began to study Nero and and all the things the early church disciples that Jesus had to go through. And and I heard someone say, uh, how how are we going to one day stand in the presence of Jesus and talk about this pandemic when all these people, they were given their lives for the glory of Christ. But to revert back to Acts chapter 2, just to lay a foundation here with you today. The foundation, the focus of Christ's mission. And I love your core values here at your church. I know they were prayed over. I know your pastor um, uh, really was seeking the Lord. And they're very biblical based and whatnot. But as we see the early day mission of the church in Acts chapter 2, we'll not read the scripture there, but in verse 42 we see that they practice disciplines in their lives that made a difference. Verse 43, they lived in the reverence of God. Verse 44, they had an urgency uh, to be unified. In verse 45 of Acts 2, they gave up prosperity in the name of generosity. In 46, they worshiped corporately without wavering and they displayed praise to God. In verse 47, so in Acts chapter 2, they were living, they were living out what God had called them to do. And then as we look over in Acts chapter 4, we see a continuation of obedience to the commission. The truth is, we see these early church apostles, and they were committed to following the Lord Jesus Christ. But you got to understand what's happening here. In the early days, they saw the miracle-working Jesus. How many of you just love the miracle-working Jesus? I mean, 3,000-plus coming to know Christ and at Pentecost, and, and, and Jesus making the lame walk, the blind see, raising people from the dead. Everyone became a fan of Jesus during that time. Well, not everyone, but most people that saw the work of Jesus, everyone loves the miracle work in Jesus. But then Jesus approaches the adulterous woman that had been caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus calls the tax collector to become one of his followers. And Jesus begins to get into the mess of people. And how many of you know we're not just called to follow the miracle work in Jesus we're also called to get into the mess of people's lives and point them to the way of Jesus. You see, there was, a, there was 12, and one of them didn't really work out too good, okay? There was 12 that Jesus called as disciples, and we see these followers of Jesus. A, a, a man that we heard speak this week, Steve Norman, said this, just because it's easy does not mean it isn't right. And I just want to speak from my heart to you this morning, and, and I want you to know this morning, as Woodrow Kroll says, our quitting point is God's beginning point. 
And I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you are in the process of, of maybe you're living on the mountaintop this morning and everything is great and wonderful in your life. And you know, wake up, Monday morning, Monday morning's coming, right? One of my mentors used to say it like this, every person is either um, is about to enter a storm, going through a storm, or just coming out of a storm. But we all have to admit the storms are coming. So today, as we go through this text, I want you to understand some truths um, in regards to our call to continue. And today, I want to give you just, it's going to be a real simple message, because I know Micah loves simple, okay? He loves simple. I was, I'm very complex. I'm like um, uh, adult ADHD, like everywhere, all the time, you know? And, uh, and Micah would come, he would be my calming effect, okay? He's always my calming effect. And then, and then I had some others that were not... It's calming. But anyway, uh, Acts chapter 4 this morning. Let's begin reading through the text this morning. And we want to look at three attributes in our call to continue. The Bible says this in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4 here today. The Bible says, And being let go, they went to the, their own companions and re- reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who is by the mouth of your servant David, have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Then the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants all uh, that with all your boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one accord or one heart and one soul Neither did anyone say that anything that he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of all the things that were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Hoses, who was also named Barnabas by the apostle, which is translated the son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Father, speak to our hearts this morning. God, anoint this message, God. And Lord, there's a million thoughts going through my mind, but God, I pray that these people would not hear from me, but they'd hear from you. And God, I am so thankful for Micah and Courtney. I'm so proud of them, Lord. And they have stuck at it. They stayed steadfast. And God, you are assembling on a movement of you, God, here in St. Louis. And God, I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, that they were patient, that they waited on you, that they bloomed where they were planted, God, and they never looked to just run away and, and move out, but God, they were looking to make a difference wherever you've planted them. And God, I pray this morning that you would just make a difference in the lives of every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 4, we see... 
this call to continue. I don't know where you're at in your life this morning. Maybe you're having a hard time in your marriage. Maybe you're having a hard time with your parenting. Maybe you are having a hard time in ministry. Maybe the temptation is to do that very thing, to bail, to run away, to move out, to walk away from God. But I want to encourage you this morning that God never called any one of his people, of his followers, whether you have a title to your name in ministry or not, to walk away from him. And we see three things in this passage, three attributes of us saying yes to God. Life Action Ministry, that we just went to their camp, and I heard some uh, cheers out there. That means everyone that clapped when Micah said, Life Action Ministry, I cannot wait to see you at family camp next year because a clap or an amen means you're coming, all right? So we're going to have a great time together. But a call to continue. In verse 23, the first thing that I see here is, is that we see these people that were gathered. Acts chapter 2, the movement was started. Okay, the movement started here in St. Louis just a few years ago, and it's been building and building. The pandemic hit, and, and the pandemic's not over. I get that, everything. I always say that, and I always mess up my, my, my verbiage there. But I want you to know that God is working. But we see here in Acts chapter 4, things got really tough between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. There was some persecution there's, from what I remember, some false teaching. There was some opposition that came your way. How many of you know when you do things right for God, there's going to be someone or someones that's going to come against you? And they had some things that were coming against them. But I want you to see what happens in Acts chapter 4 in verses 23 through 37. The first thing I see in verse 23 is that they continued in congregating together with God's people. Now, I, I used to be... Like Micah, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, we we're, the church is out there, church is not in here, whatever, church is not a place, church is a people, you, you get all that. But I found myself in the, in the pandemic saying, well, let's, let's get together, you know, let's, let's have a holy huddle, at least on Sundays, you know. I want people to come back and, and unified worship, worship together. In verse 23, look at the first phrase there, it says, and being let go. The first thing I want you to see there is we th see this, this, this congregating um, of God's people. In verse 23, the company of Christians, the actual the word company is usually there, is where we should go to celebrate God's work of deliverance. I don't know about you this morning, but I hope you believe that Jesus can change lives. Some of every person here has a story, and, and some of you have been delivered from some tough things. Some of you may be addiction or, or adultery or, or gossip or slander or whatever the case may be, but you had some real baggage in your life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I want you to know one thing that happens when we gathered and here they were being let go by the power of God. They were coming together to celebrate God's work of deliverance. I want you to know that when we gather together on the Lord's day, we're coming together to celebrate the deliverance of God. The deliverance that God gives to those that are living in bondage. The scripture goes on to say there in verse 23. They went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. The company of Christians, the company of believers is where we find faith-filled believers in the midst of worldly fears. Our world is a mess today. Okay? I know uh, we're getting ready to celebrate tomorrow, July 4th, and it's going to be a celebration of our country and all these things. And There's so much wrong going on in our world today. 
And there's many people that are living in fear. But I'm going to tell you, one of the things that we have as believers is that we have hope. Not in the things of this world. Not in Washington, D.C. Not in the White House. But we have confidence in Jesus. In Jesus alone. And we are, hey, God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. God's plan for his people. And I'm going to tell you right now, when we gather together, it's not to feed our fears. It's to celebrate what God has done. It's to celebrate that we don't need to be in fear and that we, are, we have faith-filled believers that are gathered together. The Bible says that when they went to their own companions, we're so happy to be in St. Louis but there's one thing about St. Louis, I know about St. Louis, and one of the things I love um, is, is the, some of the guys that I, we've had come into our church, we've brought them in with the purpose of sending them out, okay? I never brought anybody and say they're going to be the next pastor. One of them eventually might be uh, at the church I'm at, uh, but the goal is to send them out, and, and, uh, and, and Micah is one of the products of that. But I can tell you this, God's people are wonderful people. And by the way, when I say God's people, you understand I'm not talking about a certain denomination. I'm talking about people that know Jesus, that love Jesus, that seek Jesus, that serve Jesus. People that have come to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 23 goes on to say, And all the chief priests and elders had said to them, You see, the company of believers where we should go to bear one another's burdens. You see, the gathering of believers is not just a place to corporately celebrate and worship Jesus. Man, this worship team, fantastic. Led by Nathaniel. Said his name right at least once, okay? Uh, my son's name is Nathan. We call him Nate, and, but I'll make sure I didn't mess up his name. But anyway, uh, no, it was wonderful. You know, when we sing songs, when we pray, as we give, we, we celebrate the bigness of God. And that's one reason why we gather. But watch here. To corporately celebrate the worship, but it is also, the gathering is also a place to find comfort from one another. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Bearing one another's burdens. Someone in this room is hurting worse than everyone else. Uh, everyone, uh, you got, I call it the Sunday morning face, right? Right? You have your Sunday morning face on, and boy, you're happy, you're joyful, hands, lift up hands in worship, and then you walk out the door, and real life hits, right? Real life hits. And, and then Monday comes, and through Saturday, and, and it's hard, and life is tough, but I want you to know one thing that we have in our small groups, and one thing you have in the corporate gathering of believers, is you have not only Jesus, that's important, but you also have each other. And that's what these followers had here in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. They were dealing with persecution. They were dealing with a difficult time. But they never forgot the fact that part of their gathering together was to be together. I don't know, Michael, you probably have a lot more spiritual people in your city than I do. But um, one thing I kept hearing during the pandemic and also hearing after the pandemic was, oh, I'll just watch it on TV or I'll watch it online or whatever. And aren't you thankful for modern-day technology that we could continue to, to have those things? Uh, but I'm like, man, let's take a couple off weeks. Let's go offline a couple weeks. <laughs> I want to see. I want some FaceTime, right? I want some FaceTime. Be why? Because someone in this place is going through something that you've been through and someone is bearing a burden that they can't bear alone and someone here needs you. So we see 
that there is a continuance. There is a call to continue in, in gathering together, in, in, in congregating together as God's people. Secondly, this morning, we need to continue pursuing God. In the text, in verses 24 through 30, we see in prayer. This isn't a real popular one, but it's a needed one. What brought the Holy Spirit's movement there in Acts chapter 1 into Acts chapter 2, and we see just a few got serious about prayer. And in verses 24 through 30 of Acts chapter 4, we see God continue to move and God continue to work. Look there in verse 24. So when they heard that they raised their voice to God, and here it is, with one accord. There is something powerful and precious about lifting our voices to God through prayer as one body in one accord. You know, you can pray privately, and that is great. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, there's something special about the body of Christ praying together and praying for each other and wanting and desiring God to do something great together. They were in one accord, and the Bible says they raised their voice to God, okay? They raised their voice to God. They lifted their voice to God, verse 24, and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. You know, they were acknowledging God as creator that puts all problems in perspective of God's ability to handle the situation. Listen to me this morning. Here's a very simple truth that we need to get today. God, who was God in creation, is still God in our crisis. Let me tell you something this morning. You can believe what you want about creation. I know what the Bible says, but I believe that God created uh, the world, the universe, in six literal days. Okay? All right? But I'm going to tell you right now, God, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, Genesis 1-1, okay? Let me say something to you this morning. If, God, if you truly believe that God created the, universe, the world, created you, why do we get so upset about the crisis that we face? The God who is God in creation is the God who is the God of your crises. And hey, I love the fact he spoke the world into existence. And throughout the New Testament, as you see the early work church apostles, and you saw the working of God, it, it was a spoken of, remember the, the sea, the storm, the storm, the, the waves were raging, my ADD's kicking in, okay, and, and I think it was Mark chapter 4, remember Jesus is doing what? He's sleeping, bad time for Jesus to be sleeping, right? He wakes up, says what? Peace, be still. And then he rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. And then, I don't know what happened next. I'm assuming he went back to sleep, okay? Let me say something to you this morning. God, who is, is, was God in creation, is still God in your crisis. Verse 25 and 26, we see this phrase, and the rulers were gathered together, here it is, against the Lord and against his Christ. Let me tell you something right now. If you like the easy life, even as a church, do not pray. Because <laughs> what's it going to do? It's going to stir up darkness. It's going to make the devil mad. It is a good reminder in our prayer that as the enemies of God come against the people of God, they were really coming against God. Understand this, when the enemy comes against your church, when the enemy comes against your family, when the enemy comes against you, he's really coming against God. Verse 27 and 28, to do whatever 
excuse me, let me say this again. Where they were gathered together, still in verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. It is also great to verbalize in our prayers that even pain, as has been said, has a purpose. Even pain has a purpose. God's providence in the midst of the pain, but even if the pain leads to death, God has a purpose for it. I want you to know this morning that our pain has a purpose. It's as we pray and as we anguish and as we, we, we fight against the enemy and, and all the forces of darkness today, I hope you know spiritual warfare is real. And I'm telling you, the best way to combat it is through a body that loves to pray together. The old saying is a family that prays together, stays together, right? And I want you to know a church family that prays together, stays together. It is the bonding effect that we have in God. Every person in this room is different. At the time that Mike was on staff with us, I had another student ministry pastor, Rick, and we were all different, but we love being together. We did. We, we loved being together so much. We spent holidays together, and, and we saw our kids kind of, uh, well, some of them being born, uh, and uh, just growing up together, and, and it was a great time. We loved to pray together. I want you to know this morning, church, if you don't get anything else from this, as we continue to stay steadfast in your prayer lives, both privately and corporately. And then verse 29 we see the scripture says this, grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The prayers was for a release from restraint in service. I don't believe there's anything wrong to pray that God would work in such a way that he would silence the opposition of the enemy. I don't know about you right now, but I can tell you right now, if the, the enemy is silenced, if the enemy's restraint is taken away, I'm telling you, we can do so much more through the power of God. But we've got to understand, it is through God's power that he's working. So a continue, hey, we want to see God work. We want to answer God's call to continue. We need to have this time of gathering, this time of congregating, the time uh, of coming together. We also need to be steadfast. In our prayer lives. But thirdly this morning. Verses 31 through 37. We need to continue prioritizing the right practices. D.L. Moody said this many years ago. There are many times. There are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord. But few are willing to do little things. You know how you get to do the great things? You stay faithful in the little things. Stay faithful in the little things. Verse 31, the Bible says that when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. How many of you ever read that verse and really tried to understand, discern what it meant, right? Like, was it a literal shaking? All I can tell you is this, is that whatever happened when they prayed, it was evident that God was moving. Live in expectation that the power as a result of prayer, okay? Don't just pray because we're supposed to pray. Pray expecting God to work. Pray expecting a Pentecost. 
Pray expecting God to move. Pray expecting God to change lives. Pray for God to do amazing things. And have faith believing that, he, that not only he can, but that he will. The Bible says in verse 31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Could you imagine churches today that every believer, or at least professing believer, was filled with the Holy Spirit? That's what the Bible says should happen. We should be all filled with the Holy Spirit. D.L. Moody, again, and I believe it's a book that he wrote, not, I never read the book, but there's some great excerpts from it, so I thought I'd use them. Hopefully they're in context. Said this, before we pray that God would fill us, I believe we ought to pray Him to empty us. You know one reason why we don't live lives as believers that is evidence that we're filled with the Spirit of God? Because we make no space for God. We fill our lives with so many other things. We fill our lives with hobbies. We fill our lives with Monday through Saturday things. And I'm telling you right now, it comes Sunday and we're wanting to see the evidence of a, of a holy movement of God in our lives. But the problem is our lives are so filled with junk, we've made no room for Jesus. You say, John, how do you know so much about this? Guilty as charged. All I'm saying to you today, these early, the one reason that we see God working in the way that he was working then, and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. This is the New Testament. Oh, maybe we're in a little different age. I'm telling you, I believe God wants to pour out his spirit in this way today. I really believe that. So the Bible says in verse 31 that after they prayed, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, verse 31, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Fearlessness and faithfulness in the proclamation of the word of God. It, it was a different day in this aspect. By the way, if you have a pastor that preaches the word of God with boldness, you thank God for it. You thank God he's not sitting in his office throughout the week thinking, boy, how can I make this sound better? Be thankful that you have a pastor that preaches through the Word of God. I had a, a lady, actually she lives in this city. I went into, uh, by the way, <laughs> you guys have treated us far better than we, we deserve. And, uh, man, if this way you get treated in St. Louis, i got to come here more often. I mean, it's been great. We went check in the motel and lady was checking me in and, and I gave the name of uh, your pastor and, and uh, her eyes kind of lit up a little bit and and she says, are you going to be speaking? I thought, well, I hope so. <laughs> Unless I get bumped. <laughs> That's happened before. Anyway, uh, uh, so anyway, there I was. And, and she, I asked her where she attended. And she says, talked a little bit about her church. And, but she says that they had to close the doors there and everything. And, and she said, what do you like to preach from? <laughs> and I'm like, is that a, like, a, like the Bible? <laughs> so I, write, I told her right now I'm going through the book of Acts with our church. That's why you got this message. Uh, so I wasn't all week uh, planning, preparing like Micah uh, didn't want to do on the vacation. But anyway, um, but there she was. And, and I thought, you know, I invited her here. Okay, I don't know if she's here or not, but I invited her here. And, and, uh, um, and I want you to know, I mean, if I was in St. Louis, this is where I'd come to church. Okay. Um, so I thought I better 
invite her to, to, to this church. But anyway, all I'm saying to you is this. I, I could say that because I know, hey, you know, you know it's a good thing when you come to your church that you're going to get the word of God. And I'm here to tell you right now, it didn't just start with up them, them coming up with fancy messages and fancy titles. Hey, they started with prayer. They invited the Holy Spirit. And they didn't waver in preaching and teaching the Word of God. But it didn't end there. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Now listen to this. The practice of selfless surrender of, here it is, preferences and possessions for the sake of unity. If you go through every word of that text, man, they were selling stuff, uh, not that they would have more, but that they could give more. (laughs) D.L. Moody in that same book said this, I have never known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. There's a need in the modern-day church today for unity. And by the way, I tell our church all the time, that does not mean we're not different. You're not unified by the ways you're alike. I tell our church, and they usually clap and say amen, aren't you thankful there's not more than one John Reynolds? All right? Thank you for not clapping. I I saw a couple of you trying to hold back. But anyway, you don't even know me. (laughs) Uh, But anyway... That's true. We're not unified in who we, in, in, in that. We're, we're unified in whose we are. We're unified in the things of God. We're unified in the Spirit of God. We're unified. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, the same Holy Spirit that was in Acts is the same Holy Spirit that's in existence today as He was filling and flooding the lives of those early church believers and doing miraculous things through them and in them. I'm telling you right now, that is the Holy Spirit. That we invite into our lives today. He wants to work in the same way. He wants to do the same things. And I'm going to tell you right now. We are different. But hey. There should be. It is a miracle when there's unity in the body of Christ. We're unified in the things of God. So in verse 33. We see some more effects of that. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. God's grace is in proclaiming the gospel. And It doesn't matter whether you're Calvary, Baptist Church, or Harvest uh, Church, or whatever name you put on a church building. If it is a Bible-driven church, it's a gospel-driven church. The mission is the same. You can put fancy titles on a mission statement. But I'm here to tell you right now. The mission is the same, to get the gospel to those that don't know Jesus. So he writes in verse 35, And they laid them at the apostles' feet, talking about the possessions, and they distributed each one as had need. There was a celebration, here's another practice, of charitable giving to God for the sake of the hurting. Micah introduced a ministry that he'd like to get back going again. I'm here to tell you right now, there should never be a lax in our willingness to be generous with others. The pandemic shouldn't shut that. That should have risen the need, right? Should have risen the need. A celebration of charitable giving to God for the sake of the hurting. 
I'm telling you right now, in my city, there's a lot of hurting people. But in your city, there is an enormous amount of hurting people. Hungry, homeless people that don't have their basic needs met from one day to another. I, I hear people in our city, and we have a city, I don't even know how many people now. I get all kinds of numbers, but I'm, our city, maybe 10, 12,000 people. And some people cannot fathom there's people that, don't, that are homeless. But I'm here to tell you right now, there's people that are in need. There's people that come to our churches that are in need. And we have a responsibility not to look to government, but to be the people that God has called us to be. They, hey, they didn't call Rome. They didn't call on the government. They're like, we need to make sure these needs are met. And we may not have the resources, so we're going to sell what we have that we can give more to help those that are hurting. Paul recognized something powerful, and I'm closing. In the words of a pastor I respect, his name is Nathan Klein. He said this, resolve comes before results. Do you understand throughout the word of God the countless times, the countless times that right as those followers of God were on the verge of quitting, just the fact that they had some resolve, God did a great work. Maybe there's someone here today, you're on the verge of quitting, you're on the verge of walking away, you're on the verge of giving up. I hope that's not you today, but it could be you. If you're honest with yourself and honest before God. Understand this, it may be that choice, that decision you make, you say, you know what? <laughs> not today, Satan, right? I'm not giving up. I'm going to press on, I'm going to press forward. You think Paul, I mean this guy... He had it rough. He said, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forth to the things that are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need some followers of Jesus that will want and desire to live lives of excellence. It's a selfish and worldly thing to want to give up and give in when things don't go our way. But yet, I've got to tell you, we've all been there. And some of us have done that. So as we close today, here's the question. What areas of following God do you need to respond to the call to continue? Throughout this text, there's so much more I could have given you. But throughout this text, we see some practices. Some say, oh, there's old-fashioned. That's for the early church. I'm here to tell you right now, in this text is the formula for seeing God do something great. And let me tell you right now. He don't desire to do great things through buildings. By the way, your building is amazing. God has gifted you with a great facility, which is a tool to make disciples for him. But I'm here to tell you right now, he desires to do a work not through the building, but through the people. He wants to do a work through you. And, and you can sit there and complain, well, such and they can sing and they can do this and they can do that. I'm going to tell you right now, if you have air to breathe, God wants to use you for his kingdom and for his glory. A few, years, a few weeks ago, there's a guy who came to our church. His name's Nick. Nick can't see. I mean, he literally is, he's legally blind. And um, he's been coming a few weeks now. He wants his wife to come and his three-year-old daughter to come. But he can't, obviously, he doesn't drive. 
One of our uh, other pastors goes and picks them up every Sunday, brings them to church. Different guys in the church walk them from one location to another. And several weeks ago, Nick was getting ready to leave church. And he always makes jokes about being blind, too. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he, anyway, I won't share any of those, but um, not my jokes to tell. But he, he always gets me really good. And he was leaving that Sunday morning. This is what he said. He said, I want to do something for God. And then he, he, I, he said, well, what can I do? <laughs> and I, I was like, I, I, know some of his, um, I know some of his problems. I know he deals with it. We're going to try to find something that Nick can do to use the gifts God's given him for God. And I'm going to tell you right now, all of you, we can, we, can, we can hone in on all the things that may keep us from serving God. But I can tell you this, if you surrender your heart to God, he will use you. And hey, if you are tempted to give up and give in today, I'm here to tell you right now, that's not the answer. God wants to do something great for you. He wants to do great, something great through you if you'll give him a chance to use you this morning. Let's all bow our heads and hearts before the Lord as we stand to our feet this morning. I am honored and humbled to be with you today. It's been a joy. And I'm going to turn things over to your pastor today. But I'm going to ask you right now. What does God want to do in you and through you? Not your spouse, not your kids, but through you this morning. And look, before we even sing another song, maybe God's stirring something in your heart right now. Maybe you're one of those that was on the verge of giving up and giving in, quitting. Maybe even discipleship-wise, you're... You're wondering as you walked in today, is it really worth it? Maybe some of you are beginning to buy some of the lies of the enemy. By the way, anytime the enemy feeds you lies, you need to call them out for what they are. They're lies. The enemy wants you to believe that you're unusable. The enemy wants you to believe that you can't do anything. The enemy wants you, um, uh, one of his big lies is, is he wants you to believe it's not worth it. But I can tell you this, I've told this to our church, the only way that you can live and die without regret is to give your whole life to serve in Jesus. So, as I pray this morning, maybe you just want to take a seat in your chair. Our church, sometimes people come to the altar and pray, whatever the, sake, may, the situation is. Let's just have a holy moment with God right now. Maybe you lift your voice to God right now in one accord. It's not verbal. It's not audible. Out loud. But make known to God what the desires of your heart are. You say, John, can't he see my heart? Oh, he can see your heart. Jeremiah said like this. He says, our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But maybe God has stirred something in your heart today. That's going to stir something for his kingdom tomorrow. And he's going to use you to do it. I hope that's the case. I, I really do. Father, I come before you today, Lord Jesus. God, maybe there's someone here today that does not know you as Savior. Never experienced a real relationship with you. Well, God, I'm so thankful that you have planted this church here. I'm so thankful for Micah and Courtney saying yes to you, Lord. I'm thanking you, Lord Jesus, for placing them in our lives every day for, I believe, five years, Lord. And the 
way that we saw them grow and the way that we grew through them, Lord. But God, for both of us, you have risen us up into two different churches now for such a time as this. And God, you have planted these people together and this gathering together on this Lord's Day for such a time as this. God, I pray that you create a movement here at Harvest, Lord Jesus, that will not be silenced by Satan, that will not be held back by anything going on in our world today, but God, that they will be looking to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Oh God, today, I pray you've stirred someone's heart. Maybe someone was defeated. They walked in the doors and, man, they were just ready to give up and throw in the towel and quit. Oh God, help them to see there's value in being steadfast and faithful to you. Oh God, someone walked in today and they're going through the motions of, of disciplines that the church practices. But God, as we looked in Acts 4, we saw some of the practices of prayer of giving, of generosity, of preaching, of teaching, sharing the gospel. Oh, much of the things that were the foundation of the early church that really are the foundation of the mission of the church today. So God, I just pray today, Father, that you would just move in our hearts this morning, that you speak to our hearts, and God, that you create a movement that will not be silenced. In Jesus' name.